This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Hallelujah. It's my privilege this morning to introduce you to a great friend of mine that I had the privilege of meeting a year ago at an Elevate Counseling Banquet, Mike Owens. And we just began to do life together and share our hearts with each other, kingdom-minded thinking. And he shared his story with me one day. And I thought, what a, what a great way to just solidify what community is and how community works and what it can do. So I gave him a phone call and said, hey man, you think you would like to preach at Believers and just share your heart? And he said yes, so thank you, Mike. So let's give it up to Mike as he comes to give the word today. I know you're going to be blessed. It's going to be a good word. Amen. I love you. Hello. I told them in the first celebration that uh, I had all these plans of how I was going to start, and I had this big plan, but I think just like then, I'm just going to start with telling you a little bit about myself, a little bit about my story, um, and probably going to cry a little bit because I'm an emotional wreck most of the time, but uh, here we go. In 2001, I was arrested for felony theft by taking because I had, in fact, stolen a lot of money from my boss, from my employer. And he called me into his office. He fired me. And he said he was going to give me three days to pay it back. There was no way I was going to be able to pay it back. And so the next day I got a phone call from an officer of DeKalb County. And he said, Mike, you can either turn yourself in or I'm going to come get you. So I turned myself in, I got a felony arrest, and it started uh, kind of an incredible journey for me. And it was, it wasn't the first thing. It wasn't the first step of my decline into crazy. There was a life of, if you look throughout my life, and you can ask my wife, for the, for the first part of our marriage, I was a disaster. It was self-destruction after self-destruction. The people and the employers and, the, and the, the, the wake behind me of destruction in my life was, there's a lot. I've reached out to some of them since then. But so, I tell you, I knew Jesus when I was stealing that money. I knew who he was. I knew what he had, what he had done for me. But there was a part of me that I hid from him. There was a part like this room in my house that was like, nope, you can't go in there. It's too dark. It's too gross. It's too, too filthy. And I knew that if I let him in there, he was gone. I knew that if God saw the true me, the true Mike Owens, he would take off because I, I wanted to. Eating the mic again. <laughs> and to be, to 
be honest with you, that, that part of my heart, even in that whole time when I was sitting there trying to grow and I was sitting there trying to, to find God in this place, I knew I was, I was, I had done something really bad. I had risked my entire life, my family, my children, all for money. Because I felt like I had to be this thing that someone else decided that I needed to be. And so, go about a year later, the process took about a year. And it's a couple days before I was going to go to court. I was talking to my lawyer, and she said, listen, Mike, they're going to ask for jail time. Wrecked. I was about to go to jail. And that wall, that door, it started crashing. And so the night before I was going to go to court, I went into my bedroom and I started praying and I started crying and I started weeping. And that was, it was this, this groan. It was this moment of, like, you never want to hear that sound from any person. <laughs> the sounds I were making were not human. <laughs> my wife was on the phone with her mother at the time, and mom was like, is he okay? Because I wasn't. I wasn't okay, really. And I was in there, and I was just, just weeping, and I finally went to God, and I said, okay, God, here I am. Here's the gross. Here's the filth. Here's the hate. Here's the rage. Here's the anger. Here is the lust. Here is everything that no one else knew because I, I put a wall around myself, and I was whatever somebody else needed me to be, so they didn't see that side of me. And I just said, okay, here I am, God. I'm ready. I'm ready for your wrath. <laughs> I'm ready for you to come down and do what you do. And every time I think of this, I told Mark this before, is smite me, oh smiter. <laughs> I was ready. I knew I deserved it. I knew that there was nothing else in this world that I did deserve but the wrath of God to come down and burn me up and walk away. Because that's what I deserved. No one else knew that. No one knew that part of me. No one knew that side of my life. But I did. I knew it. And I was so wrapped up in shame and guilt over this thing. And as I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm on the ground making those terrible noises, I feel God show up. And I feel him standing right in my head. As I'm laying on the ground, and I'm ready. Okay, here it comes. He's here. He's here to give me the wrath that I deserve. And he reaches down, puts his hand on my face, and he says, my son. And he says, get up, and let's walk through this together. And I got to tell you, that was enough. <laughs> Because in that moment, he claimed me. I didn't think that that was going to happen. I didn't think that he, I didn't deserve it. I didn't, I didn't even think that it was a possibility that someone, the God of heaven, would claim me as his son. What? And so he gave me this scripture. And he spoke it to me clear as day. Ezekiel 36 33 through 36. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I'll repopulate your cities and the ruins will be rebuilt. The fields that used to lie empty and desolate in plain view of everyone will again be farmed. And when I bring you back, people will say, the former wasteland is now like the Garden of Eden. The abandoned and the ruined cities now have strong walls and are filled with people. Then the surrounding nations that survive will know the Lord, that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruins and replaced the wasteland. For I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do what I say. Come on. And I'm going to tell you that my life right now, the life I live, is measured by that scripture. I have more than I could ever possibly imagine. I work in a job I didn't even know existed then. I didn't even know that this was a possibility. I mean, my, life, my wife lived a life that is bonkers. It's unbelievable what God has done, and I owe it all to him. Like, I mean, it's not like there's a little bit of Mike that did a little bit. I knew nothing. I had nothing. And he gave it all to me. Woo. So I'm going to read the scripture. Luke 5, 17 through 27. It's going to be on the screen, so I don't need this. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. But they couldn't reach him because of the crowd, so they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down to the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. And so I will prove to you the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. So I was thinking about this, and I thought, and the first thought was, oh, man, that paralyzed dude had some good friends. You know what I mean? Some good friends. He had a good community. He had a group of people that knew that he could not do it himself, so they took him to Jesus. And so... I told you my story because there may be someone in here right now that is in a pit of darkness of their own making. Circumstances that they created, sin that they have committed, and they are wrapped up in shame and guilt and have no idea how to get out. And I get to be the friend who says there is hope in Jesus. He doesn't ask you to change. He doesn't ask you to come out of your pit. He comes to you and takes you out and walks with you out. And that's just my story. Everybody here who has a relationship with Jesus has a connection to him that someone else needs. Everybody has a moment in Christ where they can say, 
That is a lie. You cannot believe that about him. Do not believe that about him. He is for you. And we as a community, we get to come together and be that for each other. But it takes something from us. It takes vulnerability. It takes authenticity. It takes coming to a place not just because it's what we always did, but because it's what we're supposed to do. It comes to a place and not just saying, hey, how was your day? It was good. How was yours? Sometimes it's how was your day or how was your week? Man, my week was terrible. And then four friends gather around him and they say, you know what? Let's go to Jesus. But that takes something from all of us. That takes, it takes trust. But not trusting each other because we're going to mess up. But it takes trust in God that God can take care of us regardless of what, what happens. The fact that we are humans, we're going to hurt each other. Because community can be very, very dangerous. If you think about it, those friends climbed up on a roof. Not this guy. I said this in the first celebration. Because <laughs> if I fall off a roof, everybody knows. Everybody, everybody, not just the shaking of the ground when I hit the ground, but the wailing that I'm going to make and, and the baby crying that I'll do. But it can be dangerous. Community can be dangerous because if I open my heart to you, you could kick it. If I open my heart to you, you may not be the most loving person at that moment because maybe you're having a bad day too. But community is a choice. Community takes grace. It takes this moment where if Michael says something and it hurts me and it says something inside of me, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe Michael said that to me. And then I have a, I have a choice right then. I can take that and I can really let it chew on me and I can get bitter and I can, or I can choose to have grace for Michael because he was being vulnerable with me. He has the, he has just as much junk as I do. You know what I mean? Probably less just because, because <laughs> I, I got a lot. <laughs> But I just, the beautiful thing about what Jesus does for us is that we get to share it with each other. And if you think about, someone asked me after the first celebration about my perspective on God and about how I know that he's with me. And I, I had this thing a long time ago that if you take the Great Wall of China and you stand right next to the Great Wall of China like this, you can't see the ends. You just know this part of the Great Wall of China because it's so much bigger than you can possibly know because you, well, that's, that's, that's Jesus. And each one of us stand in our world and we look at the Great Wall of China. We look at Jesus with our own eyes. But it's our perspective. It's our vision of who Jesus is. And every single one of us has a different connection to Jesus so we can go out and we can be that thing that someone else needs that I can't reach. There's someone that needs you. 
But I'm just, I think that Jesus wants us to be the place that we can come and find help and support and love for each other because out there, it is dark. It's hurtful and gross and nasty and yucky out there, but there are people out there that need us, that need us to go out and own our 50 feet and be a light. But in order to do that, sometimes you need help. I need it a lot. And so we come in here as a community and we get love and we get loved on and we can go out and we know that when I stand in my work and I stand and I am that 50 feet, I have an army of believers behind me saying, God loves you. And I have an army of people with me that know, whew, that my guy, he's kind of a mess, but God loves him. I just, so I want to read a scripture to you again. 1 John 4, 11 through 12. By the way, 1 John 4, that's going to be our scripture this week. Dear friends, whoops, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. That seems pretty clear. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Mark talked about this last week. He talked about the fact that we come to God and we get saved and we believe in him, but then he puts us in a body. And sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes it hurts. I was thinking about this week. Your thumb gets hurt. Does it hide that it's hurt from the rest of the body? Right? If the thumb is hurting or the leg is hurting, does it hide that it's hurting from the rest of the body? Does the rest of the body know and does it know to protect it? Does it know to say, hey, that, protect that thumb a little bit. It's hurting. Don't make sure not to use it. And that's what we get to do. That's what we have to do for each other so that we can go out there and be the love of God to everyone else. Because we have each other to protect us when we need protecting. Cool? I would just like to pray with you guys, if that's okay. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. I don't know if they know it. This is a miracle to me. That I stand before your people and get to tell them my heart is absolutely unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you for your grace and your mercy in my life. And Jesus, I ask that you would just move in everybody's heart and life. That they would know that you are with them. That they would know that this place is a place of sanctuary for them, a place of freedom for them, a place where we can love on each other and then go out and love the world. Thank you so much for who you are and your mighty, wonderful, and amazing name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church podcast. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there's anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. 
Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week for a brand new message. 